Hi, my name is Kelsey, and I'm a very grateful member of ALNN. Hi, Kelsey. Um, first of all, I want to thank the committee for asking me to speak here today. It's an honor and a privilege. Um, in October, I spoke at the uh, ALNN conference, and that was my last time speaking as an AL teen, officially. And this is my first time speaking at a conference as an ALNN, so um, they're pretty big milestones for me because program has been such a big part of my life for so long. Um, a little about myself. I am 20 years old. I'm a full-time student at DePaul. Um, I'm in my third year studying uh, psychology and communications. I have three jobs. I work at Coach, I work at Target, and I work at a little piece of place uh, by my house. I have a mom, a dad, two sisters, a dog, and a stepdad. And um, growing up, <laughs> growing up, my family was pretty normal. You know, we had, um, my parents were together, my parents were married, uh, it was me and my sister. We were this happy little family. And that lasted until I was about four years old. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't be here if my family was, was normal for, for a long time. But uh, when I was four, I got into a really bad car accident. And, you know, my mom was driving the car, guy ran a red light, and I got injured in this car accident pretty bad. Um, so right after this car accident, my parents got divorced. And then right after my parents got divorced, my dad started drinking. And my dad, he, I mean, he's been an alcoholic since he was 13. So he has his own story. But when my parents were together, he didn't drink. Um, so when my parents got divorced, he started getting heavily into um, drinking. Um, and I put all that blame on me. And I was like, you know, maybe if I didn't get into that car accident, my parents wouldn't get divorced. Maybe my parents didn't get divorced, my dad wouldn't drink. Um, so I kind of carried that, uh, that weight on me for a long time. Um, and that kind of comes in later in my story. But I'm not going to really talk about too much about what it was like because it's, you know, my dad's the typical alcoholic. He, everyone thought that he was fun and cool. You know, every time I would tell someone, they'd be like, oh, my God, that's so sick. Like, your dad, he's an alcoholic. He must be so cool. And um, that's not how it was at all. And at least that's not how I saw it. Um, he was very mean. He was very aggressive. And I kind of felt like the victim in all of this because I, my sister's three years younger than me. And I was always protecting her from my dad. Um, you know, we, we were both terrified of my dad, but I was the only one that would kind of stick up. And she was the one that was kind of in my dad's arms being like, yeah, go get her, dad. You know, and, um, and I hated her for that. I resented her, but I couldn't not stick up for her because she was my sister. Um, you know, in all this time, I thought that this was normal. And I remember being like, I can't, I can't wait till I'm old enough to drink. Like, you know, everyone has so much fun when they drink. And because um, all of my dad's side of the family drank. There's alcohol everywhere. Um, if anything, my mom was the weird one because she didn't drink. And so this was all pretty much normal to me. Um, you know, there was a lot of times when uh, my dad got really lucky. Uh, he, would, he would drive us home drunk every single day. And uh, he would sober up for about... I don't know, 30 minutes and think he was okay to drive home and uh, we'd be in his work van so I you know I would have to sit in the back and like a little nook on the on the floor of the truck and every time a cop would pass by I'd be like Kelsey get down get down and um, 
And it was just really sketchy. It was really sketchy, but I thought that this was all normal. Um, and me and my dad kind of had a love-hate relationship. You know, I, I loved him because he was my father, but I hated him because of what he was doing to me, and I hated him for what he was doing to my sister, to my family. And, um, and I didn't want to see anything bad happen to him, but I didn't want to be around him anymore. So I was kind of getting to the point where I was really getting sick, sick and tired of it. Um, I grew up, I started be, being around my friends' families and realizing that they didn't need to have a drink with them all the time. Um, and they weren't getting high. And being like this happy family that I've always wanted. And I became very jealous. And um, I was always like, why, why me? Why am I the bad kid? What did I do wrong in my life to deserve this? So I became very angry. Um, I definitely glamorized my life a lot. Um, you know, I, I made a, this whole story up in my head that my dad had this awesome job and, you know, always bought us presents and he was just this awesome dad and I would tell all my friends about this and they were so jealous of my life and that was kind of like my escape and um, because I, I hated what reality was at that point. Um, so I became the world's biggest people pleaser, world's biggest people pleaser. And I still carry that on to this day. And, you know, it's like, I don't want to do anything wrong because I don't want to make dad drink. Um, and he never, ever told me directly that I was the reason why he drank, but he didn't need to because I, I felt that. And I've always felt that, um. You know, I didn't believe in God. <laughs> we had we had a church that was literally right in our backyard, and I would beg my dad every single Sunday to take us. And he literally would be passed out every single time, and me and my sister would try to drag him out of bed. And, um, you know, it's just, if, if there was a God, why was he doing this to me? So I, I, didn't, I didn't believe in God. I didn't believe in anything. I didn't believe in higher power, nothing. Um, so on August 17, 2003, uh, after my dad told me that he stopped drinking for a couple weeks, <laughs> there was a, what we call the last straw, and he got really drunk at my aunt's party, um, and he was really just scaring us because he was pretending to drown himself in the pool. Um, he was becoming very aggressive, and when he became very aggressive, uh, we knew that we had to leave, and we called my mom, and my mom came to pick us up, and we knew that this was different. You know, my mom called the cops. Um, my mom never really picked us up. You know, she knew what my dad was doing. We would tell her all the time. But um, she always just kind of left us there. And that's, you know, I, that's how I built up my resentment towards my mom. Um, but she came to pick us up, and I told her, I'm like, look, Mom, I'm never talking to Dad ever again. I'm like, I can't deal with it. You know, I don't, I don't feel like I deserve this. I don't deserve to be put in that situation. And my mom was like, okay, you know, you, you don't have to. And um, so I was pretty content with that. And a couple days later, I get a phone call, and it was my dad, and he was calling from a hospital. Um, and I picked up the phone because the caller ID said Alexian Brothers Hospital, and I didn't expect it to be him. But uh, you know, we talked for a long time, and he always he told me about AA, and I was like, I don't even know what that is. Um, you know, I was in seventh grade. I really didn't understand um, that you can get help for being an alcoholic. And I wouldn't classify my dad as an alcoholic. You know, my dad, he had a job. He was able to provide for us. Um, he put food on the table. And alcoholics, to me, were bums. And they lived on the street. So I never thought that my dad was an alcoholic. Um, 
but he he explained it to me and I kind of understood uh, but mostly it was just I trusted him and this time seemed different than all the other times that he told me that he was gonna stop drinking so a couple months went by and he became happy and I was I started going to these meetings and becoming involved and wanting to be involved but um I didn't see the change in myself I was still hurt and I was still angry and um, I still felt alone like this only happened to me like I was the only kid in the world whose parents were an alcoholic um, so my dad introduced me to Alteen and my first Alteen meeting I thought was like the biggest joke in the world um, I went with my friend and there was all this talk about God and like spirituality and it just it wasn't it wasn't really for me but um but at the time when I went to Alateen, it was called Alatot, and it was for kids who were 12 and under, and I was 12 at the time. And um, the last 10 minutes, they had candy and games, and there were cute boys. And that's why I stayed for so long, because I kind of used it as a social hour. And, um, you know, it was a fun time. Like, yeah, they talked about their feelings. That was cool and everything like that. But I stayed because of that, you know, I was becoming to be more social. Um, so a couple months went by, didn't really talk too much, um, kind of kept everything to myself. I just thought my problems were so much bigger than everybody else's and they didn't need to hear about it. Um, so then my dad took me to my first convention and we listened to the Alateen speaker that was going to be there, um, on a CD before we actually got there. And at the time I was 13 and I just judged people right away. And this girl, I, I hated her just from hearing her voice. Just, I, I hated her. But I was, I was so jealous of her because I, I, I wanted what she had. Um, and I wanted to be up there and speaking. And, um, but in my mind, I was just kind of like, I'm, I'm not going to meet this girl. Um, and then I heard her speak at the convention that weekend. And she just was the most amazing person to me. And... Uh, my thoughts on her changed completely. Um, she welcomed me with open arms, and I asked her to be my sponsor later that weekend. So, um, <laughs> and I was kind of contemplating it because not a lot of Alateens actually have personal sponsors. We have like the group sponsors, and um, so I kind of was like, you know, Dad, do you think I should ask her to be my sponsor? And I was so nervous, and um, so he was like, Yeah, go do it. And she became my sponsor, and. Um, she got me into program and she got me working the steps at 13 and my mind was blown away and um, you know it was kind of dummy down at the time like we had our fourth step inventory book which is like a little packet where you draw your feelings out and stuff and and all the Al-Anon fourth step book is like this thick and <laughs> took me months to complete um, but she really got me involved in program and um, she lived kind of far away but I would call her all the time like if I really feel like I annoyed her because I literally called her like five times a day and she was okay with that you know she she never complained um she never asked me not to call um then you know a couple years into going to Alateen I was introduced to Midlake and Midlake is our our um our convention it's just Alateens there's about 200 of us uh and I was so nervous the first year I went. I didn't know what to expect. Um, because in, in high school, I think I was in high school or eighth grade at the time when I first went, um, everybody just judged everybody. And I felt like, you know, being in a, 
in a room full of 200 kids my age, that's that can't be good. And um, I got there, and I can't even explain to you the feeling that I had. It was just the most amazing feeling in the world being there and just being welcomed with open arms. And, you know, I fell in love with Midlake. It was great. Um, and, you know, I went every year after that. I became more involved. So by 16, I was working a perfect program. And, um, you know, everything was going great in my life. I was going to Alateen for about four years. And, uh, yeah, just it was perfect. Perfect. Um, and then I fell in love with somebody at 16. And, um, you know, he was the most normal guy you could ever meet in your entire life. He had a normal family. Um, great guy. Great guy. And... Um, I didn't like normal. I never liked normal. I was so attracted to the insanity that I made up in my mind all these little problems that he had. So just so I can work on him, so he can be my little project. And um, and that's how our relationship was. It was so unhealthy, but um, you know, he was too afraid to leave me and I was too afraid to leave him. I kind of used relationships as um, to fill that void of not having that father figure that I really wanted. Um, I wanted guys to take care of me. And so we grew up and we went to college together. We moved in together for a very, very, very short amount of time. And um, I followed a program. You know, he became my higher power. He became my program. Um, he became everything. But our relationship was completely falling apart. And um, at the time, when our relationship was kind of falling apart, my friend, uh, I always cry at this part, so I'm just going to warn you guys right now, because <laughs> it always happens. Um, but I have a friend, his name is Aaron, and I met him at Midlake uh, probably when I was 14, 15. And Aaron is like the most beautiful person I've ever met in my life. Um, I don't even really know too much about him, because he was always wanting to hear about you and wanting to hear about your life and um, never wanted to talk about him. Always had a smile on his face. Always, you know, making sure that everybody else had a smile on their face too. And uh, uh, his brother called me one day while I was awake at school and said, you know, you need to come to the hospital. Like, you know, Aaron's in a coma. And I guess he was huffing propane and he slipped into a coma and they were going to take him off life support. So uh, that... That, that turned my world upside down. Um, I started to question things that weren't really a question to me at the time. Um, you know, when I, w when I found program, I found God, and I found a higher power. And when Aaron was in a coma, I was, I was like, there, there is no God. And I, I kind of found myself thinking that. And because I was like, how could, how could somebody take away how could God take away somebody so beautiful and somebody so awesome? And um, and Aaron died five days later. Um, and I went to his wake. And at the wake and at the hospital, the five days that we spent in the hospital, was just all Alateens. All Alateens from different states. And it's, it's like we were all kind of falling on a program and we all just got together once again. We were all going through the same grieving process, but we were all reaching out to each other and being like, hey, like, how are you doing? Do you need anything? Um, 
and it was just it was it was amazing and I knew that I had to get back into program um, so I started going back to my Alateen meetings and Alateen wasn't really doing anything for me anymore you know, I didn't want to hear about you know that you failed your test and it was like the worst thing in the world like my problems were maturing and um, so I found myself just kind of just not being involved in the meetings at all just just going there for for everybody else basically and um, that's part of my sickness is that I'll stay for you regardless if if it's good for me or not you know I will always stay for somebody else um, and and they needed me that's what I thought you know because I I was the one that was there the longest and uh, they asked me to give a lead on the first step and I was like yeah, that's no problem like <laughs> Um, first step is easy. You know, I've done it a million times and uh, became really cocky and everything like that. And I started talking and I started realizing that, um, you know, I could admit that, yeah, I'm powerless over alcohol, but I couldn't admit that I was powerless over people, places, and things. I wanted control over every single little thing in my life. You know, that the guy I was dating, I wanted full control over him. And, um, you know, I realized that he was bringing me down. It was it was tearing me apart. Really, it was what it was. And um, so after that meeting, I decided to end it. I ended it with this guy, and we were almost dating, uh, dating for three years, and it was just devastating. Um, it broke my heart. But the people who were there for me, skyping me till five in the morning every single day, was my Alatine friends, and. Um, it was just the, one of the best things to ever happen to me uh, because then after that I started going to Al-Anon and um, I got a sponsor, I worked the steps and again it was like my mind was completely blown. Just doing it the Al-Anon way was absolutely amazing. Um, and I was working with my sponsor and I told her that my next relationship I'm going to do everything different. You know, I'm going to, um, I'm not going to be controlling because with that guy I had too many boundaries, but with the next guy, I was like, I'm not going to have any boundaries. And it just so happens that the next guy um, was a recovering alcoholic and a drug addict, and um, that was fun. He was sober for a year when we met, um, and I always told myself, I'm like, you know, when I um, when I grow up, I'm not going to be like those typical Al-Anon stories where it's like my dad's an alcoholic and then I married an alcoholic. So I thought that the best way to do that was to date someone who was in recovery. Um, and that was one of our strengths in our relationship was that, you know, he was in recovery and we had that bond. And um, that's what attracted me to him, or that's what I thought I was attracted to. Um, but that was also one of our downfalls. And he wasn't right with himself in his head. Um, and I didn't see that because he was still so manipulative. And um, the whole relationship was so unhealthy, but I was so attracted to that. I was so like drawn to that insanity, even though I always said that that's not what I wanted. And um, I did do everything different, and I didn't have any boundaries with him. I didn't know how to set boundaries. Um, you know, like I said, I didn't have that ideal father figure, so I used these relationships to fill that. And I remember somebody came up to me and was like, you know, I don't, I don't know why you're so dependent on these guys all the time because you can be so independent and you always love to be an independent person, and I do. You know, I don't want someone to take care of me I, I, at all. Um, so we broke up, and um, it wasn't as bad as the first, first relationship, but I dove right back into Al-Anon 
right back in. I got a new sponsor um, who happened to be my Alateen group sponsor. And she was, she was like my best friend. She was amazing. And, you know, I finally had to work on myself. And that was hard because I don't like working on myself. I like working on other people. And I like being that people pleaser and taking care of everybody else. And, um, you know, I, I got this internship, and I'm really excited about it. And um, it's at Disney World, and it's, I'll be away for a long time. Um, but I wasn't going to take it because I was like, well, what about my sister? And what about, you know, my, my family? And what about my friends? They need me here. You know, and, and then I realized, that, you know, I'm like, I, I got to stop doing things for everybody else and just do something for me for once. Um, and Alanon really helped me realize that, that I really have to work on myself first because if I'm not right with myself, nothing else in my life is going to be right. Um, you know, there are so many gifts in this program. Um, I talk a lot about Alateen because Alateen gave me a home. I was, I was in Alateen for seven years before I finally transitioned into Al-Anon. And I was going back and forth. Um, I, I couldn't leave. You know, I would go to the Al-Anon room, and one of the Alateens would come up and be like, no, can you please stay? Can you please stay? <laughs> so what did I do? I stayed. And even though I wanted to be in, those, in that Al-Anon room so bad. Um, and then I was helping as, you know, a, a temp sponsor because they don't have a lot of sponsors. And we have 30 kids in that group um, and one official sponsor and I want to see I want to see that group go down um, you know the, the first thing I learned in program that really just stuck with me is the three C's which I didn't cause it I can't control it and I can't cure it but there's a fourth C and that's I can change my attitude about it and that's the most important C um, what a gift it is to be able to change your perspective on things and to turn your glasses around like, that is such a gift because sometimes there are so many people that are just stuck in the negative, and I, I don't have to be there, you know, and I, and I understand that now. Um, I use my program in, in every aspect of my life. You know, my dad's been sober for eight years. He, he doesn't drink anymore. He, but program is everywhere. I use program in every single thing in my life and all my principles and affairs, um, and everything in my life is directly related to program, directly. All the people that I hang out with are program people. All the things that I do on, you know, on going to these conventions, it's all program. Uh, my career choice, that's directly related to program. Um, I want to you know, help kids that have been in the same situation as me. And uh, it's just miracles happen every single day. And me and my dad, we have matching tattoos. And um, it says, expect miracles. And um, they do. They happen every single day. Um, my dad stopped smoking. And he, this is a really important and really special story to me. Um, he stopped smoking, I think, five or six years ago. And he said that um, if he stopped smoking for a couple months, he would save up money to go to a Rolling Stones concert. So he stopped smoking for that couple months, and we went to go see the Stones in concert. And that was really special to me because, um, you know, I, when I was growing up, the Stones and the Beatles were the only things I listened to besides, you know, Aaron Carter and everything like that. But, you know, growing up, <laughs> but growing up, that's all my dad wanted to listen to. And um, 
it was just really special to me to be there. And then a couple months later, we went again. You know, the Stones, they started and ended their tour in Chicago. Um, and my dad used the program to stop smoking. And um, he's just, he's a great guy. He's really the most genuinely nice person I've ever met. And my relationship with him is so much better. Growing up, he would always promise me that like, we'd go to Cub games all the time and stuff. And, and he never took me to a Cubs game, ever. But he would promise me every single summer that we'd go. And we go to 20 a year now, you know, and that's, and that's our special, that's what we share that's so special. Um, and we just, we have so much fun. You know, my relationship with my mom is still, eh. Um, she doesn't get program. When I first started coming here, she thought that it was a cult. And she didn't want me going. She wanted, she was like, okay, maybe, you know, a couple, a couple times a month or whatever. And I was like, okay. Right, mom. So, but that never worked out. I, I went every single week, and now she asked me questions about it. She asked me questions. She got my sister going because my sister didn't go to Alton for a while because I, that was my meeting. I didn't want her going, you know, and I didn't like her. And um, you know, we, I had that resentment towards her. But now, ever since she, since she started going to Alton, it's like me and her have something to talk about, and we're best friends now. We do like absolutely everything together, and. Um, just, like I said, everything in my life is directly related to program. And miracles do happen every single day. And the program has taught me so much. And my dad, my dad always says, everything that he was supposed to teach me as, you know, a father, program has taught me. Um, I can't imagine not being here. And, you know, I don't even know what my life would be like if I didn't have it. Um, I'm just really grateful to be here. And thank you for asking me to speak.